So like, I feel like the thing about hiring is that it is both super hard and time consuming and also just insanely powerful and high leverage. Sure. And like high leverage in like both directions where like if you do it wrong, it's really bad. And if you do it right, it's really good. I think that's true. It's like one of the only things you can do at your company to like make your own life better, you know, but it can also make your life worse. So totally. Yeah. It's kind of a brutal thing. It's like, it's high stakes. It's undoable, but very difficult or like, you know, at least emotionally difficult, culturally difficult. It's not like simple to fire a person. Like you can sort of say it is like, Oh, you could just undo a bad hire if you hire the wrong person. I'm like, yeah, sort of eventually. But like practically, it's difficult to to go back on. And so it's like high stakes. It's hard to do in the first place. It's hard to pull it off at all. It's high stakes when you do it. But it's kind of like the ultimate skill in company building. I feel like it's like if you can make a product, you're on your way. Because now like people actually want something you've made. But now you have, if you're like going to build a company around it, you now have sort of like this kind of like the same problem forever, which is like, how do you add people to this like machine around it and like make that machine good? And so it's like, man, if you can get the skill, this skill is going to carry you so far because I think it's going to be one of the core skills forever. But it just seems, it's just brutally hard. Yeah, I agree. It's probably the thing I struggle with the most running the company is deciding when to add people, how to find those people, who they should even be and what things they should even be doing here, which seems like it should be obvious, but it never is. Sometimes you just feel like I feel like something's missing, but I can't, I couldn't tell you exactly the definition of it. Um, (laughs) So I don't know, maybe like a good place to start and you can push back on this if you want, but it's just like why to hire in the first place. What is a motivating situation for even hiring? Yeah, I think you have changed your take on this over time. So that might be an interesting thing for you to like talk about that change. Yeah, I've changed in some ways and I think in other ways just sort of had my eyes opened a little bit to the whole picture, I think. I think when we first started the company, when I thought about hiring, I just kind of defaulted in my head to like, there's a lot of stuff that we want to do. I can't get it all done by myself. So we need to hire people so we can do more than one project at once. You know what I mean? That was sort of like the picture that I had in my head of what hiring was for. And the first several hires that we made were for that. And that did let us work on multiple projects at once and stuff like that. But it had this side effect of all of the other parts of the business that weren't working on the projects got kind of like left in my lap because I wasn't hiring for any of that stuff. So things Mm -hmm. like worrying about our bookkeeping, things like doing customer support, Closing issues on GitHub. Yeah, dealing with yeah GitHub issues, like prioritizing work, getting newsletters written and published and thinking about marketing and, and all that sort of stuff um, all kind of landed on me because I was just like hiring people to build, 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 you know, which um, meant that like as like a pie chart, my life became like less about building stuff and more about facilitating building stuff basically. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. some people maybe want that. Uh, I didn't really want that. So it's only been like maybe a year since it's really become clear to me that the right move for me would have been to start by like hiring people 
just to do the things that I'm noticing are starting to get in the way of me building stuff, you know, Mm, because mm. as like our company kind of grew in terms of customers and stuff like that, you get more GitHub issues, you get more customer support, stuff like that. And maybe I could have done that by myself in 2018 or whatever, when Tailwind was really small, but eventually those things just start to like encroach more and more on your capacity. Um, so I think going back in time, I would have prioritized hiring for that stuff faster hiring Mm -hmm. with this mentality of like i built everything that got us here like how do i like try to keep like the lane clear so that i can keep doing that because there's just like stuff getting thrown in front of me such a different mindset that's totally very different mindset yeah yeah like paralyzing work and you are the like traffic cop Mm -hmm. versus like stay out of my way so i can keep in like doing deep work and keep doing the thing I love and like what got us here initially. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. It's, you know, I feel like it's like, there's something that feels a little selfish about that ladder one, but I also kind of feel like it is, I feel like it's sort of like if you were a VC backed company, you're sort of signing up to like sacrifice everything at the altar of business success and scale. And if you've taken the other route and and been like self-funded what you're doing, I feel a little bit like there's, there's some amount of like, build it for your own sustainability that makes a ton of sense because if you're not happy doing it and you're just going to burn out and bail like that's that's not great for the business yeah i i don't think so um, and not great for you like you you gave up this privilege you had this like this opportunity you had to like build a company that you were excited to work at and you just like didn't do it yeah and, and we've talked about this on other episodes but i do think some people are sort of wired to just want to build business you know they almost don't even care what the business is as long as there's product market fit they care about like building the business not building the product you know that's just not me and i imagine i know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast that are part of my audience are kind of feel the same way they just like to build stuff they want to find out a way to increase the amount of time they have available to do that stuff. So if you're wired like that, I think it's especially important that you think about hiring from that sort of point of view. And I think like there's hacks around that that can help you not even hire in the first place. I don't know. We could talk about those now or we could talk about like maybe like why (laughs) hiring is is a a risky thing first before we even talk about some of those uh, potential solutions. What do you think? How do I not hire? How do you not hire? Yeah, what are you talking about here? Yeah, so one example of of that is like we have um, a virtual assistant who does like a lot of stuff for us that that helps us out with a bunch of stuff. And I didn't go out and interview people and find someone and get them to quit their job and put them on payroll. I found a service that offers virtual assistants that I pay a higher price for, but they just connect me with someone who works at their company that company is the company that provides them with benefits and does one-on-ones with them and all that sort of stuff you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. they're employed by them but is it they, squared away is that it's squared using? away yeah. yeah and um we could have like hired someone to do that stuff but instead we found this this service and we had one assistant that wasn't the right fit and we were able to just say hey um it isn't working out perfectly with this person i think like the strengths that we need are not what this person has. Do you have someone who's stronger in these areas? And they swapped out our assistant with another assistant. Like you can't do that with hiring as easily. You know what I mean? So that's one way to do it that I think is, Mm -hmm. uh, has been really good. So I'm always looking for ways that we can basically like outsource things to 
to services. And especially if you're thinking about things from this mindset of like, okay, I'm hiring people to do the things that I don't want to do. Like you already pay people to do stuff like that. You already pay your accountant to file your taxes. Your accountant isn't employed by you. It's like a professional service that you pay for. So the things that you don't like doing in your business, a lot of those things are probably not the thing that's unique to your business. So the mm -hmm. chances of them being outsourceable, I think are, are higher. Um, the virtual assistant stuff is a good example of that. I, I haven't done this myself, but I know other people like Derek Reimer, for example, outsources his customer support um, mm -hmm. to a company. And he has to do some work to help train the person up that they give him and stuff like that. But it's still it's still done through a service where if he decides he doesn't need that service anymore, that doesn't mean that the person doing the customer support doesn't have a job anymore. You know, it means that they're going to become available to be a customer support agent for a different client of that business, yeah. you know? And then I think like the other big thing there is just finding out ways to just like make that task, not even a problem that you have to deal with at all. Mm -hmm. Um, by putting systems in place, um, trying to automate some stuff, or if something's like this really annoying task that takes you an hour to do every week and you dread doing it, how can you just find a way to make it take less of your time and, and bring that pain level down enough that it's better to deal with the five minute automated thing than to hire someone to do it. Another service we actually use actually is bench accounting. I use that for like my hold co that owns my shares in Intel and labs to do all my bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's like a, another example of something that's been helpful. I think we can do a lot to improve on the process side still here. Yeah. I sort of do too. I, I found myself thinking like, I wonder if we could be writing more code when our impulse is to hire somebody. Is there like some custom software we could write as like a first pass that we could see like, does this get most of what we want here? Yeah. Like getting somebody who manages like, it's like SaaS companies often hire and like we're sort of thinking about hiring someone to just like take care of the people that are on trials. Yeah. Just like stay on top of them and talk to them and fix their problems and all yeah. this. Email sequence, and, you know, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, have we really like dialed in the email, like the onboarding sequence? Like, could we make that smarter? Can we run some tests on that? Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like generally at the end of the day, yes, a human is going to do a better job of most tasks than like some automated code you've written. But I do think we could probably push this a bit harder than we are, especially yeah. as like the tools get stronger and smarter. Like I, I imagine people starting companies like now or in the next couple of years will probably have more of that. Like it'll just be like clear, like, oh, like, yeah, why would you hire an onboarding specialist when the tools over here are good enough at sending mm -hmm. the right email at the right time and collecting feedback and all that? I bet there's also like ways to to avoid hiring when you might have like one project that you feel like you might need to hire someone for, but actually that's the only project that you need. So like you got me thinking about this when you said like onboarding emails, like you could hire someone to be like a customer success person at your company or whatever to do a bit of that, you know, and that could be like, they're mm -hmm. one of the things that they do is like write your onboarding emails, but there's definitely like productized services out there too, where you can hire someone who does onboarding emails for lots of companies and just be like, here's like 7,500 bucks, interview me for an hour and do the onboarding sequence for our company relationship over now everyone got what they want and everything's fine, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, agreed. So that's another, another one. I kind of want to talk about like some of the challenges here or like, like yeah. what makes me feel like this is like surprisingly difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you want to start? First impressions 
or just impressions. Like an interview process is, I have just learned, it's just like, I've now seen, while actually trying to hire people, instances of where some people right away, I'm like, this is a clear yes. This person's amazing. I can't wait to hire them. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, those have worked out. Though That seems to be have a good strong, like mostly a strong signal. Uh-huh. But also instances of like, eh, I don't know about this person. Like I probably wouldn't choose to hire them, but like someone else is excited about them and we do it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I was wrong. Like I was worried about X, Y, Z. None of those actually proved to be a problem in practice. And I totally missed all these strengths that this person has when they actually are working here. And so like, I guess like the, the most disconcerting thing about this for me is just that like, I feel like I can't really trust my intuition that well in this thing. Yeah. And so like, okay, great. Yeah, let's do some work projects then. Like, let's do some trials. Yeah, it feels hard to give someone something that takes too long to do. It feels tough to get someone to agree to like a longer trial. Like most people have jobs. So be like, I would love yes. to be like, come work for us for a month and then we'll see how it goes. And like, no promises. That would be great. But like, who practically can do that? Yeah, so that's a great topic that I'd like to discuss too because I actually shared a tweet with you that I think it's very kind of relevant to this because this is something I worry about a lot too. I think that on your point of like the first impressions thing, you say like your first impression is sort of unreliable, but in a sense it is kind of reliable. It just also happens to filter out some people who would do well. Yeah. Yeah. As I was speaking, I was realizing, I think all of my like super strong yeses have worked out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I've ever been a hard yes and then be like, whoa, I was just super wrong. Yeah. Um, so I think the like A plus yes, I think has so far always worked out. Yeah. So I guess that's a good signal. Although I wouldn't be surprised if I keep doing this to eventually discover that, that was, that's just not trustable fully. Yeah. I don't think that is always reliable though, to be fair. Yeah. When I think about my own experience, like I think I, and I know this about myself and I catch myself doing it constantly when we're talking about potentially hiring specific people. I know I have like, rose colored lenses with that stuff all the time i'm always like ignoring potential weaknesses and stuff like that i'm just like getting excited about people and because i know it i like don't let myself like take action on it you know without like doing anything to really validate things Mm. but i do think like yeah historically i've definitely had times i've been like really excited about something only to find out that uh wait wait there's reasons that this wouldn't work or it didn't work or yeah or whatever do you want to talk about the tweet yeah so the the tweet was peter levels um who i'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast probably have seen peter on on twitter but he's like a notoriously indie hacker doesn't work with anybody does everything by himself kind of guy he's trying to scale up one of the products that he's working on and he's finally trying out like hiring people for the first time basically right And uh, it's just interesting kind of like watching him share kind of like what he's learning about it. But the tweet, what he said exactly was, things I've learned from hiring contracting now. Always do a paid one-week trial because 50% of people you hire will literally self-destruct within days of working with them. And then he makes the point that lots of people don't want to work for you. They want to start their own startup, 100% the wrong people to hire. So that last point I think is somewhat unique to just like the people who are going to be attracted to to working for Mm. him. Totally. Um, What I kind of gleaned from that is like he meets someone, everything seems good, he's excited, he thinks they're going to do awesome, and then he starts working with them. It's like, wait a minute, this is a disaster. Like, how how did I get this wrong? And um, 
I saw Sawhill from Gumroad reply, and he said, we do four to six week trials with about a 33% success rate. And this is after a coding challenge and phone call to vet them. So they have kind of a typical interview process. Then they do a four to six week pay trial, basically as like a freelancer contractor. And even then, only about one out of three people who go through that process come out as like, this person has clearly demonstrated that they can actually work at this company and, and be successful. And that actually made me feel a lot better personally mm-hmm. about our own success rate, you know, because candidly yeah. it's not flawless. And I like beat myself up about it a lot for not doing enough to make sure that every single person who comes through the door is successful here. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I, I'm thinking of like other data points here. I, I think Matt Machari wrote that like 50% of executive placements that he sees like work out Jeez. Like hiring somebody at the, the top level. And these are like, you know, VC backed people that have huge comp and, you know, probably great networks to source people from and all this, like doing it in the big leagues, still failing half the time. So I guess like what I wanted to talk about related to this, which is kind of what you were talking about with like, how do you vet people? How do you know if people are going to be good? You could do like a a long pay trial with them, but they have a job. So how how are you going to do that? That's sort of the things that I'm thinking about, even with with this thing Sawhill tweeted, because basically what he's doing is limiting himself to people who are already basically full-time freelancing or left their job and decided to take a break for a couple months because they just had enough saved up to do that or people who are just like risk takers yeah yeah totally yeah so what do you think about that like i guess like the fear there is are you basically closing yourself off to like 96 percent of potential people in the job market And is that going to be horrible and prevent you from finding the right people? Or do you make the argument that there's so many people out there that even in that like remaining four to 5%, you'll probably find someone that is the right person for what you need. And yeah, now you have the ability to really like validate that it's going to work. I mean, it certainly has some strengths, right? If you're going to do the super long trial period, that sounds great for actually getting real data on how someone's working out. Are the trade-offs worth it? It's hard to say. I think Gumroad is kind of a weird company. Like from what I've heard from hearing how Sahil runs it, like he's like super hands-off, like won't do synchronous calls. Yeah, everyone is part-time. I think like the most anyone works there is like 25 hours a week or something like that. And the tasks, they just pick off some random notion board, whatever one looks the most interesting to them. Yeah, so I think it's, I mean, as always, extrapolating from like one person or one company's experience is probably pretty fraught. Mm-hmm. Um, like saying like this is the best way or this is the right way or these are the right set of trade-offs for your situation probably not that wise there are times where like i wish we had this luxury i would say like overall we haven't taken this path so we've because we like we yeah for, for the reasons you touched on i mean it filters a lot of people out but it might like filter for the right kind of crazy for them yeah like if, if, if you can and are willing to do this you might be the right sort of person in the right sort of phase of life or professional mode where you're going to succeed there. Yeah. So it could just be like a really excellent screen. Yeah, I'm conflicted on it. Because on one, the thing about it is, like you mentioned, like some people are would be willing to just like leave their job and, and take that shot. And they just have that confidence that, you know what, like I'm going to demonstrate within this like four to six week period or whatever that I can do this work and then I'm going to be like the right fit for this company. So yes, it's like a little bit of risk, but they don't really see it as 
like a crazy scary risk. You know what I mean? They sort of like embrace it. Some people are, are definitely wired that way. So I kind of feel like I always just like feel afraid, you know, like what if I bring someone on and it doesn't work out and I can tell early on and now I need to like let them go and now they're left like high and dry because they had a job before that they had to leave to come do this and now they don't and they should have just stayed there. That is like a huge obstacle for me in growing our team is just this fear of missing the thing that would have told me not to hire that person and then having to leave them in a bad spot. And we are dramatically, we're an extremely small team that barely hires ever and almost exclusively for that reason, I would say. Yeah. I mean, so like broadly, you are going to mess this up at times, right? Like these hiring rates of 33%, 50%, like these success rates like indicate that this is just a this isn't a solvable problem. It seems yeah. like like no one gets to 100%. So if you hire if you're hiring even a handful of people, probably one of them doesn't work out. So I think maybe just like as your friend therapists like accepting that like you cannot hit perfection in this and like you will have to deal with this eventually, I think is like maybe what I would say. Well, you don't have to deal with it if you don't hire people. It's it's true. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're going down this thing of like I want to hire away the things that get in the way of me doing creative work in the business. Like the, the anti-e-myth approach, I sure, guess. Sure, yeah. You may be forced to hire a certain number of people that keep your path clear. Yeah. So it might not be totally avoidable. You could probably optimize it, you know, f- but this doesn't feel like, like how do I avoid this thing I'm kind of afraid of is like, eh, it's, I'm not sure that's like the, how I would advise you. Yeah, I, I guess where I'm coming at from is I'm thinking in my head, like, what can I do to like, even just remove some of that guilt? You know what I mean? So reading this tweet from Saha, I'm thinking, well, okay, if I put up a job posting and I said in the job posting, you know, if you're successful in the interview process, there'll be like a six week paid trial period at this rate, after which it'll be determined if you actually like have, have a role here or not. So like, don't even send me your resume if you're not okay with that. And then Maybe that helps, you know, like um, another thing is like uh, this gets more into the topic, I guess, of just like how do you fire people gracefully? You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, if you have a budget for large, you know, severance packages, you know, type of thing, even though it kind of feels silly to pay someone severance after six weeks of working here. But, you know, something that you can do to basically make it so like the thing you're worried about is I'm leaving this person in, in I'm fucking them over. You know, I'm leaving in a spot where like they're screwed. So like, how can I make it so they're not screwed with them also not working here anymore? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the severance is an interesting idea. You're just like, you're kind of just throwing money at this problem, which is interesting. Well, I mean, yes, but like people work here for money. Like that's the only reason, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, like you're throwing money at your psychological problems. Yes, yes. To some extent. Uh-huh. Uh, which maybe is a good idea. I do find like the question popping into my head of like, well, what if you do feel guilty? Yeah. Like then what? I don't know. Like what's gonna what's gonna happen? Then you talk to Ben on your podcast and try to get him to psychoanalyze you and make you feel better about it. Yeah. Like I think this thing you're trying to avoid is survivable. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure it's worth like contorting yourself too much or contorting the company or the hiring processes or whatnot to sort of avoid this likely temporary and 
tolerable unpleasantness. Yeah. So I guess like thinking about it, then if you're going to compare almost like two different strategies, right? One strategy is to be like extremely, extremely picky and diligent in hiring, spend a lot of time making sure that someone's the right person before you ask them to sort of like give up their secure job at wherever they are right now to come like work for you and just like go into it with as much confidence as absolutely possible that it's going to work. Um, Mm -hmm. That's like the one strategy. And then like the other strategy is like let people like prove it on the field. You know what I mean? Like give more people a chance and be more comfortable deciding it didn't work out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think about those like two options, you know? And, and where do you think like the right balance is? Cause it's very easy to have like a, a, such a drawn out hiring process that it's like, yeah. When I think about the people that I have hired that I have felt really good about, I feel like it has been when I sort of feel like I'm spotting some talent or ability, maybe at a fairly early phase. Okay. I think I'm starting to develop trust in my, like, this person strikes me as good slash having a lot of potential vibe. And also being a bit um, agnostic as to exactly where they'll fit in the organization. Like, just, just being like, this person is great. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but like, I want them on the team. That's an interesting topic all on its own, honestly. Totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and that like, <laughs> I think that works well in smaller, you know, when things are smaller, it falls apart a little bit as you get bigger. I would say we're trending away from that right now. Like we're making like people are getting more specialized as the team gets larger. Mm-hmm. I think that's the natural way of things there. But I think, again, this probably comes down to this, like, what do you want? What do you want to do? Like, Even just like on what you just said there, that to me sort of implies like a particular recruiting strategy that relies on like only offering jobs to people who are discoverable, if that makes sense, you know, who like put themselves out there, who are like in your head when you're thinking of examples of the type of people that you feel like you've sort of noticed, is that like people you noticed because they were tweeting stuff or people that were giving conference talks or, or whatever? Um, Yep. A little bit of that for sure. Like Aaron Francis, I think is a good example of this. Yeah. Like he, he was doing stuff. He's out there making things. And like, because he was putting things out in the world, I could see, and I'd be like, Ooh, like his, this is a good, yeah, there's good potential. I'm trying to think of like known counter examples here, but I actually struggle to come up with them. Cause I, I, I feel like I believe that there's like extremely under the radar people who don't market themselves that are like yeah. oh definitely incredible hundred percent you know what I mean yes yep I have I, I yeah I have counter examples for that too people that I know are fantastic that have no Twitter account no website no like you, you could barely Google them yeah so that definitely exists so I guess what that gets me thinking about then is like recruiting strategies because I was gonna say how do you discover those people but you already know them and that means there's probably people at your company that also know people like that. And maybe the strategy for discovering the undiscoverable is just like, well, I, I just like worked with this guy and yeah, I mean, I I think that's where most companies get most of their employees is through referrals from the existing employees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In practice, that proves to be the thing. Yeah. I haven't thought about that at our our company. Actually, I don't think I've ever asked anyone on the team. Like, do you know anyone that you'd want to work with? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we may have identified an opportunity. I'm not sure I've explicitly asked that of people either. 
I think when yeah. we have particular roles, we sometimes ask if in general, just saying like, is there anyone that you worked with that's great? Like write down six names of the best people you've ever worked with. Yeah. And like, let's, let's work on recruiting them. Here's a question related to that for you. Do you feel like I sometimes worry that I have a bias towards like hiring people that I'm already familiar with out of honestly more so like out of laziness than anything like, Oh, this person, Mm. like I've already met. So it seems easier to hire this person, even though there could be someone way better out there, but I would have to like spend a lot more time and effort to find that person. Do you feel like that's like a a trap? Like sometimes I worry I'm, I'm almost like shooting myself in the foot by like focusing on my existing network, like limiting our potential by like focusing on, my existing network, especially, and, yeah. and, and in my head, I, I believe this a lot of time because like, I literally never had a job at a company where I feel like, like I never worked at GitHub. I never worked at Stripe. I never worked at a company where people become engineering managers, where people, you know, where people just like really sort of climb the ladder and levels of experience working on hard to scale products and stuff and just like develop experience and skills that, you don't need like working on prototypes at agencies, you know, which is like where I spent a lot of my career. Yeah. I mean, kind of by definition, you are leaving out some candidates. So if your goal is to find the best possible candidate out of the complete set of candidates, then yeah, I guess you probably are hurting yourself a bit. My suspicion is that in practice to get a good enough candidate, you maybe don't need to have access to the whole pool. Like neither of us are like running extremely fast growing, hiring tons of people kind of companies Yeah, where it's like Stripe's hiring target for this year is probably like what, like 2000 people or something. Sure. Or like at least when they're, you know, in the good years, who knows? But yeah, like if we're going to hire like a handful of people a year, we maybe don't need to like have access to everyone. Yeah. To get the, the kind of candidates we need would be my what guess. What has been like your most successful hiring source so far? Like I know you've posted job postings for things, but you've probably also like gone hunting for people. Like what's worked out the best for you? Honestly, I think the only thing that has worked out has been like people in my Twitter audience. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not honestly great at making myself do sourcing. I would say I'm terrible at it. Like it's to me, it is like the worst kind of work. Like, like cold outreach sourcing to candidates, I just find like horribly boring and demoralizing and don't like it. And so I feel like if I were like really good and really serious, like I would do that or like have a sourcer um, or something like I'd be, if I were like a real hardcore, awesome recruiter, I would be doing these things, but uh, I don't like them. And so in practice, it's like people I follow or people that follow me. Like I, I feel like my all time hiring success story is Stephen Dolan. Yeah. Where like I just like tweet a, like a thread like three tweets like I'm thinking about like hiring a person kind of like this, yeah. And he just like replied really really well and was just immediately clearly an awesome fit for it on Twitter. He replied or he emailed you? Uh, I think he emailed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and was just like wrote a great email. Like just since then was just been awesome. And so like I feel like he's kind of my gold standard for like what it can feel like immediately when you have someone really great on the other end. And like he has continued to sort of prove that out. That was like a great first impression and second impression and third impression. And now like we're, yeah. I don't know, a year or two into it. And it's like, oh yeah, this just keeps going. Good, good stuff. That's what I, I want that feeling. I want that feeling when I talk to somebody where it's like, oh yeah, this is just a, the most obvious yes. Yeah. 
I was going to mention, or I was going to ask, um, I remember like, you guys were looking for like a CTO for a long time. Yeah. I don't think you ever hired anyone for that position, God, right? Yeah, no. And I was thinking about that because of this like whole peer level Sawhill four to six week trial project thing. Like if you guys were taking that route, you would have had an even smaller funnel, you know, and probably had even fewer qualified people to sort of talk to. So how, I don't, I don't know what, what I'm getting at here other than to just like express this feeling of like, it seems like there's real obvious situations where that's like not going to work. I think especially for these sort of like leadership style roles. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much to like make of that experience. Like, like I said, I don't think I'm that good at this. No. Yeah. Um, like I basically failed the hiring project of like find a CTO. Yeah. And like we just never got someone that we were super stoked about we had a few people that we wanted to hire that like weren't like for like eh, i'm actually not quite ready to leave my job eh, i'm not quite yeah it's like it wasn't that we had nobody but we never got to yes on both sides mm-hmm. and i would call that kind of like i guess that was like just a failure on my part i guess i didn't source enough people tap enough networks do what was required to like get that thing done in the end and eventually we were just like, actually, Spencer, you came to like continue to do this instead. And he was like, sure. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about the general sentiment that I've seen before that like the best people are not reading job postings and sending in applications? I think that's not quite right. Okay. Um, so Mikey, who was our first engineering hire. Yeah. We posted a job for a Mac OS developer. And someone shared it in a Slack that he was in for Mac OS folks, Mac developers. Yep. And he thought it seemed good and he reached out and we hired him. And that was a, another fantastic hire still with us today, many years later. Um, and we promoted him a few times, I think, since then. So that's super worked. And like, it's true that he was not like on a job board and he was not like clicking around on job ads necessarily. Like, but he didn't need to be like cold outreach recruited. That's kind of like what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, someone in his community shared the thing with the group and it worked. Okay. That's reassuring in some ways because sometimes I worry that like the only way I'm ever going to find like the best of the best is by like doing sales effectively. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And not even the best of the best. I just mean like even to have success. You know what I mean? Like like we've, we've hired a small number of people and had success like hiring the small number of people um, that we've hired. But I guess in my head, I'm wondering, like, is there a ceiling to, like, the all-star team that, like, we're able to build without, like, getting into real recruiting, you know, and, and out of just, like, posting a job posting and hoping the right person sort of stumbles across it, you know? Probably. Probably, yes. Okay. Where that bar is in relation to your standards for the team you want to build is mm-hmm. up for debate. Yeah. I also think, I feel like you've told me about particular people that you admire and that you would love to have on the team. Yeah. That I, unless I'm wrong, I don't think you have been like actually like pinged about, hey, would you ever want to come work here someday? Some people, there's been some of those conversations and they didn't go anywhere. Okay. But did that feel like sales? Like, was that like a burden? Uh, in some ways, like a, a little bit, like not really a burden, but it, it is like, um, it's, uh, I don't know what the right word for it is. It, it, it's like, it's taxing. You know what I mean? It, it's high pressure. Put it that way. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, I, I feel like if I really want to convince this person to work here, like I got to really nail this pitch, you know? 
My sense is it's not it's not so much like that. Yeah. I think it's more like you're kind of like it seems like you have a bit of a existing relationship with these people. And so you can kind of be lightly just like it'd be awesome to work together someday and like just ask them every so often, like, any chance it's feeling right? Like you might want to talk about this or no? Yeah. I don't think pressure is I don't think pressure works really. Like maybe I guess maybe there's some version of this where you like really gotta harass somebody yeah i don't mean like putting pressure on other people i just mean like i feel like approaching those situations feels like a high pressure situation to me you know what i mean it feels like pressure's on me to like yeah to really sell this because this person's probably happy where they are you know yeah if they really are truly happy they're probably not a candidate i think the best person i personally know at this process is dan croak from thoughtbot yeah and he recruited me to thoughtbot and the way he did it was like we met at a Ruby group, Boston Ruby group meetup, and he just stayed in touch. Um, he was good at like checking in or like sending me a, like, oh, I thought of you. Like I read this thing and he would just sort of stay lightly in touch. And then every so often, like maybe once a year or something, maybe every eight months or something, he'd be like, hey, we're like opening up a, a job post for a developer. Any chance you want to talk about it? And I think he sent me that like one time and I was like, eh, no, not quite right now. And then it happened again. And the second time I was like, actually, maybe we should talk about it. Interesting. And I think he's just really good at like meeting people, keeping track of them and just kind of staying lightly in touch and like occasionally putting those feelers out. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So I feel like I'm capable-ish of that. Like a, a light, light version of that. He's gonna, I think he'll always be better at that than I am. But that thing of just like, if you have a list of like 20 people you would love to work with someday... And you just make sure that you're kind of like roughly in their mind or like roughly pinging them every so often, once a year, twice a year. That might be enough for like the number of candidates yeah. that you need to hire. Yep. Yep. I think that would be an improvement to my current process for sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? Hmm. All right. So this is kind of like a just a little a piece of advice, little hack, life hack, I guess, that I like. I think there's this eternal question of like, is this person working out? Like the obvious yeses are obvious. The obvious no's are obvious. Yeah. The people in the middle are the cause of sleepless nights. And the thing I like, the best formulation for helping come to a decision on this is, would you, knowing everything you know about this person, enthusiastically rehire them yeah. tomorrow? Mm-hmm. That I think is like, for me, has provided the most clarity on getting that question answered. Yeah. Is that, um, did you take that from like the Netflix book or did you hear it somewhere else? I can't remember where that came from. Yeah. That's like a thing from like the, that Netflix like culture deck, which like was also captured in that no rules rules book where they talk about, um, you know, every once in a while you should just think about if a person X on your team told you that they were leaving to take another job, like, would you fight to keep them here and try to convince them to stay? If not, then they probably shouldn't be on the team right now. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's incredibly brutal and cutthroat to totally. me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is like, yeah, I think actually implementing this advice is like maybe the hardest of the things we've talked about. But Because I think it ties back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I think you need to have, be, have a really high capacity for for guilt or be borderline like sociopathic or something is how it feels to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were a little more sensitive to this. Than, I, I'm almost positive. You're more sensitive to this than I am. Yeah. 
Um, so I think you probably could tune down a little bit how bad you make yourself feel in those situations. But I do think even if you are a little <laughs> cold or like, you know, business-like in your dealings, it's still, it's still hard. Yeah. Um, I think this is just the, the, the tough part of it. I think even just like mechanically, like when you try to imagine that, I think like one challenge there is like, what is the sequence of events here? Because like, presumably you you need someone on the team doing the tasks that that person is doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And if you wouldn't enthusiastically rehire them, does that mean you like replace them first and then let them go? Or do you yeah. let them go and then try to find a replacement while drowning? You know what I mean? I've always done that one. Yeah. The, the latter. I can't imagine like hiring someone's replacement while they still worked at the company that feels kind of weird that feels worse to me i guess than it feels dishonest or something like for sure totally yeah yeah, yeah. and so i've always done the other one uh, just get rid of them if you've determined they really don't belong on the team then just get them off the team maybe a thing that helps answer that quite like how to do that and also like helps with some of the guilt of it is thinking about it like your responsibility to the team uh-huh like you are signing up for implicitly, I would say, like setting the quality bar for the people that are on the team. Yeah. And if there are wonderful people on the team, I think some part of your obligation to them is to make sure that all their coworkers are awesome. Yeah. And it's not a secret when someone is not that awesome, especially to really good people. Sure. And so you could say, um, I want to avoid this guilt of the firing of the person, but like, I think there's like some reasonable day-to-day guilt or something of like, I'm letting the team down because yeah. I'm the only person that can like do this. I've heard that before and I understand it, but I also think it's not as simple as that. And that there's a lot of situations where it's not obvious to everybody else on the team that this sure. person isn't working out, you know, because like the sure. things where they're, where they're not succeeding doesn't impact them. It impacts the people responsible for directing their work. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a perfect justification. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard though. I mean, just stepping back big picture for people listening, you know, who want to get into running their own thing and like getting out of the day-to-day working at another company and whatever, like this is the hard part, you know, of uh, running a company to me, for sure. Mm-hmm. It is the, mm-hmm. like you said, the thing that causes you the most stress, the sleepless nights. It's... Yeah. The people, you know, finding the right people, keeping those people happy, uh, figuring out, am I happy with this person? Am I not happy with this person? Sometimes you don't even know. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, are, yeah. are, my, are my concerns here even real or are they my totally. fault? Are they their fault? Are they no one's fault? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's a brutal. I think we haven't talked about. Yeah, I remember when we, we met up, we did a meetup with some folks a while ago and like, I feel like we spent most of the time talking about people issues. Yeah. There's a bunch of founder types there. And it was like a lot of the discussion of that. The other thing is like people can become a bad fit for like no one's no, like no fault of their own. Like as the company grows or changes. Sure. So like you can end up in the situation where like you kind of need to fire somebody and like no one screwed up. Yeah. It's just like, they're just not right anymore. So it's like, it's hard to avoid this thing. Even if you've quote, done everything right. Yeah. Yep. I think that's true. I love your sensitivity and loyalty. My sense is that like it holds you back a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I feel a little bit like 
there's like an abdication of responsibility where it's like, well, this makes me uncomfortable and I don't like it. And so I'm going to kind of like try to not look at it directly. Um, but it's sort of like a, a core CEO thing to some extent. Yeah, I think that's true. I would love to feel more comfortable taking more like risks with growing the team. Like maybe that's not even the best word, you know what I mean? But just like taking more shots, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I've convinced myself at this point that I just want to run like the smallest team possible with like the safest people, you know, that I yeah. trust that have already made it in, you know, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. But I feel like it, it is limiting, you know, and, or maybe, right. maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't, I don't know. Again, like I always am asking myself, like what could be different or better here? Like what I've never worked at a, a product company, literally never worked at any product company, let alone like a really well-functioning product company. So I feel like I have nothing mm. to compare it to, you know, like maybe we are doing better than maybe working here is better than working in any of those places. Maybe there is nothing to learn from there. You know what I mean? Mm. But, uh, mm -hmm. that seems unlikely. Yeah. My, my hunch is that you are somewhat underestimating the power of hiring a really amazing person uh -huh. and seeing what they can do. Yeah. Yep. I think that's probably true. The thing that gets tricky even there is like, I don't even know, even in our current state, like what roles we even need. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't know like how you think about that. Like what's a trigger for you to just feel like, okay, I need to hire someone to do X, Y, Z. I, I feel like you and I are maybe similar in this. I feel like I was thinking earlier that like, it feels like fear is kind of like the, the trigger for you or something like that's like, in some ways fear is kind of like this this like strong emotion and i feel like for me it's kind of like fear it's like it's um it's anxiousness around a lack of quality like i think that triggers me is like um someone submits a support request about this kind of like edge case e-bug yeah and, and like i'm like i know this isn't really going to get chased down to like yeah. to like be fully eliminated with the current people we have i need like a head of bugs or something you know yeah like a quality person like okay in this weird vpn setup this like tuple just falls over and like that is the kind of stuff that gives me strong anxiety and yeah. i just feel like guilt and i feel scared that we're not like we're going to lose those customers and like they're going to go somewhere else mm -hmm. and like yeah that's when i'm like oh my god let's hire somebody yeah uh-huh or maybe greed too a little bit yeah i think i i feel the same way with with that stuff too like definitely there's sometimes like a thing that happens where it's like this can't be the priority of anyone who currently works here you know but it needs to be someone's priority how can i make sure this is someone's priority and that if it feels like right like for example before we brought on peter who is like does all our customer support stuff part-time customer support was just done by you know basically whoever had a minute to look you know and and to mm -hmm. take care of stuff because it just felt like there was always something more important to do because our customer support especially isn't really that crazy in terms of it's not life or death for people. It's like the occasional refund or someone asking a question about if I buy it, can I build this with it or is that against the license? You know what I mean? But bringing someone on and making that like, you get to make this the most important thing from your point of view, like was huge. And just unlocked a lot of stuff for everybody else, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like other... Yeah, I, I guess like the other thing is like sometimes I just like to sit down and just think like what are our biggest opportunities right now that maybe I'm like not noticing or, mm -hmm. you know, where could we be investing more? Like 
I think we don't do enough uh, educational content. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I always tell myself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I should be the one to do it because I think people would love to see the creator of the tool teaching the tool. I know that's what I would love to see. Like when DHH posts like a how we built something cool in Rails video on YouTube, like I'm way more excited about watching him talk about it than anybody else, you know? Mm. But then I just don't do it because other stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but it is hard sometimes to devise some of these roles and getting back to like what you were talking about earlier where it's like sometimes you just meet someone who just like, just seems like they get shit done. You know what I mean? It just seems like someone you could trust. Sometimes it just feels like you don't even really need to know what they're going to do. You just kind of like feel like I could ask this person to do whatever and they'll like figure mm-hmm. it out and do it. Yeah. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a role. You know what I mean? Like the company handyman. <laughs> totally. I feel like that's what, that's what Steven's been doing. He's been bouncing around between whatever we needed for a while. Yeah. There are definitely like multi-purpose people like that. Yeah. I feel like Tailwind is such a sexy thing. Like to, it has so much cred in the dev world and it's like such, it's, it's having its moment so hard Yeah. that I feel like recruiting should be like really easy for you compared to almost every organization out there. And so like, it feels a little bit like there's no excuse to not have a team you feel super stoked about if that's what you want. If you want to hire people, I feel like you should like... Yeah, I mean, I do feel stoked about the the team for sure. But I do sometimes daydream about like, oh, can I build a team where I I feel like I almost don't even deserve to be here? You know what I mean? Like, because that's like, I think the dream of... Like Most that. people, you know, I want to be the dumbest person in the room, but how do I attract people who don't want to be the dumbest person in the room, you know, hmm. or sorry, like, yeah, like where do you find the people who are like, oh, I, I would love to just be the smartest person at this company. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no <laughs> ambitions for learning or growing or, um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I think that's a, a weird formulation. I'm sure it's, it's more just like, yeah, people have expertise in different kind of complementary zones, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of like this possible like futures you're like when you think about opportunities, like it, it feels like if you have this dream for like where Tailwind should go, I think you could find people to do it for you that you feel stoked about or like with you. Yeah, I think I just need that dream. I don't I don't even know what the Ex- of what course the dream, it's what always the dream that even is. I was doing like it always a, comes back to that. I like had like a little mastermind thing yesterday with a group of people I was meeting for the first time and like one of the things we had to talk about in introductions was like you know where where do you want your company to be in five years and uh, it's like i have no clue you know i Uh all i really care about is that five years from now hopefully like i wake up every day more excited than i wake up now you know about like Mm. what i'm doing with my time not say that i'm not excited today but like i want it to trend up in that direction and not down, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something I've thought about. Actually, maybe this is like an interesting topic. Like, do you ever think about like unfair hiring advantages that you have as a company and how to use those to attract people? Hmm. Mm, I don't know if I thought about this directly. So for example, like something that's been mentioned to me from other people is like, you should just pay people way more than they would get paid by any other company because like you guys are very profitable with super high margins and a, and a small team and you're not PC backed, you're not burning through like runway, like you're super cash flow positive. Like that's an area where you can like basically afford to like not be stingy 
and mm. that can be like an advantage. You know, you can just pay people more than they're going to get paid elsewhere. Like Netflix kind of has that same sort of philosophy. Mm. That's that's decent. I feel like you just have these built-in advantages, though. Like if you just DM somebody, it's like that's an unfair advantage. Yeah, well, my imposter syndrome hurts that one. I think, but uh, and to be fair, I think like maybe things are different now. But like when we've hired in the past and put out like public job postings and stuff, it's not like I was like inundated with like messages from like super well-known established people. You know, like we hired like great people who are very under the radar, but. I didn't get applications from people I was surprised to hear from, put it that mm, way. Interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But maybe Damn. that would be different now because that was like the last time we published a job posting, I think it was 2020, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it might be time to retest that. I, I have a hunch that would go better. But also it may just be that like you still might need to do some of your own sourcing for like the top of the top of the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I suspect that would go very well for you. The other one I've thought of, and and we kind of like leverage this with with Peter in a way, like Peter Soom, who does all our customer support stuff. I don't think he dreams of being a customer support guy, you know, and he uh, does our show notes. So he's going to hear this. But um, <laughs> the thing that's great for him is like we pay him like what a lot of people make as a full-time salary at a good job, but he only has to do like 10 hours a week of customer support work. And so that's like almost combining two advantages. One is like we can afford to pay more than like most people would ever consider reasonable to pay for like a specific sort of thing, you know? And then Mm -hmm. the other advantage is like taking advantage of the fact that we don't need someone full time and we can basically say, hey, do you want to get paid like basically a full time salary and still have like most of your week to like work on your own ideas and build like your own products and stuff because that's what he really wants to do and then that lets us get the most overqualified customer support person ever who can actually answer these like complex licensing questions and stuff that you know i don't want to spend my time doing even though like our va can't do customer support because they don't know when what open source tool someone wants to make is going to be a violation of our license or whatever you know what i mean you need to be a developer you need to understand the product which means you need to be like inherently overqualified And the only way to get an overqualified person to do it is to like make it appealing in other ways. And sometimes I wonder like maybe we could get some of the people that I would really like to get to work here if I was like, hey, what do you make at your current job? Like I'll pay you more than that and you only have to work three days a week. What do you think? You know? Um, (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that seems like a reasonable thing to do. Although like are you even... I'm not saying that's necessary, but I'm just saying... Right. um, Exactly. Yeah. I guess I knew that's what you're going to say. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, I guess like how can you compete in places that other people aren't willing to compete, you know, Um, like remote Mm. work is a good example of that. You know, that's a huge perk for a lot of people. And I think it's like becoming Mm. it with a lot of like the back to work kind of demands and stuff from a lot of companies now, like obviously during COVID, everyone was remote. But now I think the remote jobs are not as easy to find. Like there's still tons of them, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's obviously an advantage, you know, from a hiring perspective. I don't know. I wonder if there's other other good ones there. Or maybe this is all just totally unnecessary and it's all just based on this idea of like, I don't think anyone amazing would want to work at my stinky, rank little company. And uh, yep. maybe they actually all do. Yeah, stop. So. This is just all cope, bro. Yeah. 
Just send some DMs. Yeah. I don't know to who or for what. That's that's like the like yes. can I convince John Carmack to come work here? You know, like there is like a threshold where like but I okay. you know, probably not, you know. But maybe, you never know. Uh, yeah, as always, it's like what do you deciding what you want is the first step and also maybe the hardest. It it's it's hard with hiring cuz it feels like there's always someone you need to hire, you know? I do feel like we have these conversations like amongst the uh, kind of partners of the company every week. Just like something comes up, some little discussion comes up about a potential hiring idea. You know, it's always like rolling around in the back of your head. But I also think you don't want to like balloon the company to, in size to the point where it's it's almost like ineffective because of its own weight, you know, which is sort of like the directional tendency of of most organizations I think, but it, like we said yeah. at the very beginning, it's such like a high leverage thing if, if you can get it right, but it's not always obvious like what the role is. It's just like, I'd love if there was someone who could help with this and with this, but also could do this. And maybe that's two people. Maybe that's three people. Um, where do you draw the, the borders in the map of sort of like responsibilities is, is a, a really hard, hard problem. Totally. That one, fortunately... I feel like is more malleable. Like hiring the wrong person is like a sort of tricky to undo thing. But hiring someone who's great, but like needs a role change, I found like much easier to deal with. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, we like fairly regularly kind of rejiggered people a bit. Yeah. And that has generally gone pretty well. Uh huh. So it, it might be that I think doing that reflection and being like, what do I want to do? What are the what are the major things I want to accomplish with this company or um, is worthwhile and important. But if you have a sense of that, if you hire someone great and it turns out you actually want to have them do something slightly different, it's probably okay. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, one other question I did have for you that would be interesting to discuss is how you think about sort of levels of management at your company and like reporting structure, especially at like mm. a small size. How do you think about just like hiring individual contributors with like leadership abilities how important is that you know i guess at your size and because some sometimes I, I wonder about like hiring like a director of engineering at our company just to sort of like take some of the responsibility off my plate for just like helping people make decisions about what's important to be doing and sort of in, injecting a bit of that sort of like business perspective into prioritizing the work you know what i mean or or even like identifying what the right solution to something is because like sometimes there's two solutions to a problem and there's a technical one and there's like a delete the project one you know and mm -hmm. as an engineer it's easy to just think okay well like this technical solution is perfect and will work totally fine but then from like a big picture perspective it's like but that communicates that like we're committing to this project in a way that like we actually don't want to because we actually want to build this new thing that's going to like make this obsolete and that is going to signal something to the community that we don't want to signal but you don't see that because like you're just thinking about things from like a technical perspective and like I get pulled into that sort of, sort of stuff a lot and it'd be nice to feel like I could delegate some of that perspective you know what I mean to someone else to inject that mm -hmm. that perspective when mm -hmm. it's when it's needed but then it also starts to feel like, okay, so we've got like one manager for every two people at the company and that feels mm. wrong too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, like you were looking at hiring like a CTO with, 
you have like three or four engineers at the company or something five Maybe seven five nine twelve um so i don't know like how, how have you thought about the sort of like ratio there or like splitting up that responsibility across the team or if it just needs to be all baked into the same person or how much of that you look for uh, i don't know if this is like this does not feel like a strong suit for me okay i don't know if i have like great smart takes on this necessarily the thing i wondered as you were talking was like this example of like do this thing but we don't want to support it later so maybe just delete it i wonder if like it, it felt a little bit like that like the thing that popped in my head was like could you have communicated that somehow to the person so they would know this already rather than like require a manager to sort of keep an eye on this thing happening like if if in fact that the high level priorities are different or like you have this long-term plan that changes how these things should be decided could you have told that to the edge node already yeah yep that's probably true and i mean and i think there's probably just a lot of just other ways to like kind of coming back to what we talked about earlier like putting systems in place to sort of disseminate knowledge and opinion and stuff you know like sometimes we just run into tricky situations where we have to decide like you know the other day uh prettier 3.0 came out which is like the code formatting tool and we have like a plugin for it that sorts out your classes in a tailwind project and um the new version had like breaking changes so we had to like update our plugin but if we update the plugin and like release a new version of the plugin then a lot of people on projects were they're setting up a project for the first time but they're using like some framework that pre-installs prettier locked to version 2.0 they're going to install the newest version of our plugin. It's not going to work with that version. So we're fixing things for people who are installing the new version, but breaking it for this like subset of people who are just trying to like, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just like following the instructions, but you know, so we have to make all these decisions about like, okay, so how do we handle the versioning for this? Like, should we create a new package and make that package be like version separately? Like our plugin for prettier three is separate from the one for prettier two or should we try to figure out a way to support both versions in the same code base by like detecting what version they have installed and going down like different code paths, stuff like that. There's a lot of like decisions that don't really feel like totally like technical decisions. You know what I mean? That I think um, are not always the easiest for people to make because they, they're like sort of like developer experience type of questions. And I, maybe there's a way to just like capture that sort of thing. It's like when this happens, this is how, we handle that yeah. generally, but I, I feel like that exact situation will never happen again. You know what I mean? So it got documented mm. for like no reason. And the next thing that come up is going to be yeah. novel every time, but maybe that's not true. Yeah. No, I think there's probably some fundamental complexity to the business and the decisions you have to make that you just are going to have to deal with. It can't just like run itself with no effort <laughs> or, um, maybe not there. I mean, it sounds like your impulse is to have another leader whose decision making you feel confident in. Yeah. To like make tricky calls that are somewhat that are technical but also take into account other factors. Yeah. Like you want another person whose taste you trust in the business. Yeah, exactly. And that is a feeling that I have felt as well. And that's like the, that's like one of my overwhelming hiring goals, I guess, or like I feel that sort of more with time, I guess is that I would love to feel like I could come in and help you make this decision, but if I don't, I'm going to be happy with yes. the decision you make. Because that's where I feel like I'm the biggest bottleneck in general for things is like taste probably for lack yes. of a better word. 
and I think we both have like high standards for things like that. And like, we, it's like, that's like a thing that drives me crazy is like, oh, we've like made this like UX decision and I like don't like it. And it's like, it like really eats at me. Yeah. And undoing it feels like this like traumatic thing to like put the team through sometimes too. Cause it's like, sometimes, you tried yeah. to empower people. It didn't go the way that sort of you wanted to. And now you kind of feel like you have to like chop them down and which sucks yeah. because like you, yeah. Yeah. So this this to me feels like almost like the best argument for trying to hire these like 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 really amazing people that are like require recruiting and are difficult to find and like requires this like yeah. touch points over the year and whatnot is like what I want is to just be like ah this person they got it I'm, I'm not gonna have to like I might disagree with some of their decisions but I'm always gonna find that like they were well considered. And there's like, if, if I'm like, well, why didn't we do this? There's like a good answer to that. And there's some pros and cons they thought about. And like, I'm like, okay, that all makes sense. That's clear thinking. Good job. Um, that's, that I think is almost like one of the most elusive traits for me to find. Um, but it's like, yeah, that's, I would love to do, do a better job of getting that. Hard, man. Scaling taste. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Scaling taste. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like right now my, my approach on this is, just like kind of accept that like I'm more or less the tastemaker of the company. And so there's like a bunch of times that I like have to override something yeah. or like make a call on something or there's some relief in like just identifying that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you're an even more extreme version of this than I am. And it seems like you are coming around to that too. Of just kind of like there's calls I have to make and like decisions that like I'm just gonna have to be the one to make. Um and I do think there is something healthy there. Or like accepting that like Mm-hmm. Part, this is partly why the company works yeah something alex mccall told me once when i was like talking to him about similar stuff was like sometimes you have to reframe these sorts of things in your head as it's nice to be needed you know <laughs> you know <laughs> that's funny uh, but yeah some good judo yeah cool man well we kind of went all over the place here it wasn't exactly the agenda that i uh i had in mind but it was a very fun and i think interesting behind the scenes sort of look at like what it goes into like this element of of running a company. Yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Did it bother you when I said you were driven by fear? No, I I know that about myself. I uh Okay, good. Yeah, I remember like I was working with like a a CEO coach slash therapist for a long time and it took like many many months of talking about stuff until like one day she was just like I think you worry more than most people. And that mm. just clicked for me. You know what I mean? It was very freeing <laughs> yeah. and just kind of like, okay, so most people don't do this and their life works out still, you know? Mm. <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe I can ignore it more, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's totally true. And I think that's been amplified by, by running a business, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Okay. I'm glad I didn't offend. <laughs> no, not offended. Sweet. All right. Well, good talking. Yeah, for sure. We'll ship it. See ya. See ya.